The Horse and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special, supported by Toggy. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor at Horse and Hound, out in Japan for our final day with my colleague Polly Bryan. Hi Polly. Hi Pippa, I can't believe it's our last day out here. I know, it seems like it's gone both so quickly and it also seems like an awful long time since we were doing our three days hotel quarantine and hadn't even been to the venue which has basically become our home in the last couple of weeks. (laughs) I definitely feel as though I live in the mix zone. (laughs) Totally and uh we do get some great pictures in there, but enough about me and Polly and, and our lives and our photos. Today was the last day of sport. It was the team jumping final. It wasn't sadly a great day for the Brits, unfortunately. Things didn't really work out for them, and we will talk a little more about the detail of that in a moment. Um, but it was a really exciting day of sport, wasn't it, Polly? Oh my gosh, yes, it definitely was. That jump off, oh, it was nail biting. It was so exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, the jumping competition ended in the jump off between Sweden and the USA. It was won by Sweden, which we were happy about in the end. But we'll talk a bit more about that later. First of all, I think we should just talk through the detail of what happened to those British riders. So Holly Smith was the first in the arena, Polly. And things just sort of unraveled a bit for Holly today. Yeah, they did. She she started looking pretty strong. I, I think I, I did comment as she um as she arrived in the arena how well turned out Denver looked and how smartly Holly was riding and, and we, we commented, didn't we, that she is a very stylish rider. Um but unfortunately she did have a few fences down. Um it looked like he was getting quite strong. I think that's just him. I think that's probably not unusual. But it definitely it definitely wasn't their day today. Yeah, as you say, he did look to be getting quite strong and we were actually watching up in the stands at this point because it was early in the class. We weren't yet down in the mix zone and we could hear Holly cry, whoa, as she went into that treble combination at number six and had one of the elements of that down. And yeah, it just sort of went a bit wrong from there for Holly. She ended up having four fences down, which was a pity. And she sort of said, I'm tough. My team's tough. Bring on Paris. We'll come back fighting. But she was also very realistic and said the result just isn't good enough. We're a great show jumping nation and it must be better than that. So it was good to hear Holly sort of balancing those those two elements, I guess, in what she said afterwards. Yeah, it sounds like she was quite sort of rational about it and and yeah um obviously knowing that there's work to be done yeah she always seems like a very calm rider um and uh, you know someone who doesn't let either success or failure go to her head too much mm, grounded i yeah. think yeah for sure yeah and then we had harry charles who we've um we've seen ride a couple of times he's had some roll ups and downs this week hasn't he yeah he has and he went well today with romeo 88 he had two fences down and i think just put it down to it being a tough track and the horse maybe being a little tired um you know he jumped five days in a row he did have to jump on the rest day as well to sort of start to bring his confidence back ahead of jumping in this Mm. team competition um and he was pleased with him with how he went today um, and with his whole olympic experience in general so yeah i think it was a pleasing way to finish up for harry yeah it was there's a lot of pressure on him we mentioned yesterday that he he you know hadn't planned on riding in the in the team event he was drafted in quite last minute after scott brash's horse jefferson um suffered a, a strain a minor strain injury in the individual so you know i can i can only imagine the sort of pressure that he felt and you know responsibility riding for a team is a very different thing to riding for yourself and in the end 
Polly, Ben Mayer decided he wasn't going to jump, didn't he? Yeah, he did. There was nothing wrong with Explosion, but Britain were a long way out of the medal standings mm. after the first two riders had gone. And he just felt there was no need to risk the horse to uh, jump him again when he's done a lot of jumping already this week and done very well. And it was better to save the horse for another day, which I think was a, a you know a perfectly understandable decision on Ben's part. Yeah, I think so. I know there are a lot of people, I mean, me included, who was disappointed not to see Explosion and Ben jump again. Um, but, you know, the horse has travelled all the way across the world. He's he's won an individual gold medal. He's done pretty pretty well already. You know, he even if he'd gone clear within the time, as as you'd expect, he, he hopefully would have done, um, that wouldn't have been enough to lift Britain even into contention for a medal, I don't think. They were they were sort of languishing down at the sort of ninth or tenth position, I think, at that stage. Yeah, interestingly, if Ben had gone clear in the time, I think Britain would have finished fifth. So okay. probably okay. less far off than they maybe thought. Um, just looking at those results now, mm. I think, um, you know, the way things were looking after two riders, it looked like the scores were going to be lower in the sort of yeah. final reckoning. And a couple of nations did have some quite high scores from those third riders, which sort of brought all the scores up a bit so but yes Ben was right that there was no way he could have helped Britain to a medal position at, at that juncture yeah for sure and Ben was um he was very gracious he came over to to us in the mix zone and, and chatted to us didn't he briefly and sort of explained you know how he was feeling and his thoughts on the week and it was good to hear from him and it was nice that you know he was able to come over and and actually you know speak to us and share that with us so we're very appreciative to hear it sort of direct from him you know only only minutes after they it came out really so that was good and um, yeah, I mean, it did lead, there were a lot of shakeups actually in that last rotation. I think we were all going into the final sort of group of riders with, a, with an idea of the teams that would be fighting it out at the top. And there was drama. There was drama. And in the end, it was so rewarding to see Sweden take that team gold after the jump off with the US. It was I think everybody was rooting for them, maybe unless you were American, but even. <laughs> but I think, you know, Sweden have been so consistent this week. They had three horses in the jump off for the individual medals. They all jumped clear yesterday. They did have eight faults in the first round today, but just it would, I think, have felt wrong if someone had come and stolen that gold at the last minute oh. today. And it was brilliant to see that consistency rewarded and to see how much it meant to them. You know, it's nearly 100 years since Sweden has won a team gold medal in Olympic show jumping. That's incredible. Yeah, we were we were definitely rooting for them once it was clear that Britain was out of the reckoning. I was I, I was an honorary Swede today. Um, that's nothing against any of the other teams. The other the other teams did jump brilliantly, but no, I we have to say Sweden deserved that. And the US really threw down the gauntlet to mm. them in the uh, in the jump off. You know, it was done so that it was one rider from Sweden, one rider from the US, one rider from Sweden, one rider from the US. So it was so exciting. And McLean Ward, who was the final rider for the US, put in a very fast round. And then Peder Fredriksson, the last rider for Sweden, his round was like something I've never seen before. Same. I just, oh my God, my heart was in my mouth. I mean, he was so neat on the turns in the beginning of the round and then just came down to the last fence. And as Polly and I both said, we both tried to ask the questions in different ways. And the question we really wanted to ask was, you know, was there ever a moment coming to that last fence where you just thought you were going to have a spectacular crash? Because honestly, he took off 
it felt like a stride and a half out. Yeah. And I think the answer was just no, when you ride all in, such things are no problem. Uh, absolutely. I think he, you know, the thing with Pedder is that he is such an excellent horseman and he is such a competitor and he's been around, you know, doing this for for a while. He is, he knows that ring in, inside out. You know, he knows all he's got to do. He feels very confident. He said, I think it was yesterday, he said that, you know, he's used to, to riding last within the team. He's always their anchor man. That's his position. That's where he feels comfortable. And there was no better man for the job other than, I mean, possibly Ben Mayer <laughs> to go into that jump off with that much at stake as the very last rider, literally riding for gold. Yeah, absolutely. But it was a real credit to the US. You know, they weren't quite at the forefront of the teams coming in today mm. having just sort of had a rail here and there through the week but you know seeing that experience of McLean Ward and Laura Kraut backed up by Olympic debutant Jessica Springsteen and I think we've had a tiny insight this week Polly into what Jessica deals with in her life yeah. obviously her father being a massive mainstream celebrity and there's certainly been a bit of a circus that's followed her along yes and it was a credit <laughs> to her how she performed as you know a real sportswoman this week yeah, she and she was really professional as well in in all aspects, and um, I think she really enjoyed the fact that we in the mix zone were were genuinely more interested in her horse and her round and her you know her riding than we were in her sort of you know other aspects of her life. It wasn't always the case. We we were joined by a lot of uh, mainstream journalists whenever she sort of came through the mix zone, who of course had different angles they were trying to pursue, as as you would expect. Um, but I, I found Jessica a delight. That was the first time I've ever met her um, this week, and I just thought she seemed absolutely lovely. Yeah, she was great. Um, she was great all week and yeah we're not you know dissing those mainstream journalists they have a job to do and actually they found some uh, creative ways of asking her mm. about her father without asking the question straight up <laughs> around whether she's spoken to her family and so on but it was it was good to see the US on such good form today yeah and Polly I think um, you uh, you maybe spoke a little more to the Belgian riders who in the end took the team bronze than I did what did they say yeah I did I was um, well I was lucky enough to be in in both press conferences here at the at the games this year they've split the team press conferences into two so they've had sort of one team through and then two teams through all all the other way around um just to avoid having 12 people sitting up on the top you know all at once for covid reasons and i was in the belgian um bronze medal press conference and those guys were were a delight you know they were they were so incredibly proud of what they had achieved this is quite a historic moment for them this is the first belgian team equestrian medal since 1976 and um you know, they, they acknowledge that they did something amazing today for their country, for their sports, um, for everybody around them. A, a, a big day for Belgium, which, of course, is, is a very, you know, it's a, it's a horse country. It's something, you know, a medal is something that Belgian riders have been working towards for a long time. And uh, they all gave, you know, credit to their horses. They they put in some really good performances. They deserved a medal. They did. And we did see today, Polly, again, how dramatic things can be with only three riders in a team and yeah. no drop score because the French were leading going yeah. into that third rotation of team riders. They and were then, ahead of Sweden and the USA, weren't they? They were. They were on two faults only after their first two riders. And then uh, Penelope Le Pervo, uh, the final French rider, she had a bit of a crash through the um, first element of the double at fence three and then ended up refusing at 3B and then had another refusal and so was eliminated. So France were out having been the leaders after two riders, you know, the defending champions from Rio. 
Yeah, that was it. It was tough to see, wasn't it? Because you know they had obviously put in a really strong performance, and yeah, that th- this can happen with horses, and it's I mean it sparked an awful lot of conversation um, throughout the games, but especially this week about the three-person format for teams, and you know the horses are so unpredictable and of course in show jumping compared to say dressage it's even more unpredictable these things can happen really really easily yeah something i think will be discussed at great length and um you know analyzed a lot in the in the coming weeks yeah and i think it was interesting that mclean ward said today he said the sport was great today Mm. despite the format not because of it yes he did say that and that was yeah that was a very telling quote um obviously people were asking those uh, gold and silver teams in the press conference what they thought of the format and of course you know sitting up there the medal around your neck you you can't say you know you're obviously feeling very positive about everything that's happened but I think had it had it not been for the three-man format it could have been a very different competition today well it would have been a very different competition today because you know Britain wouldn't have been so out of the reckoning at that stage so yeah it's certainly something that we will um, be interested to see the sort of progression of yeah Well, I think before we just finish off our sort of show jumping section of the daily podcast, although they didn't jump today, obviously Ben Mayer and Explosion Double were our British heroes of the show jumping week in Tokyo. And we'd like to leave you with a clip from Ben talking about Explosion. Explosion's such a special horse because um, I think he really loves his job. Firstly, that makes my life a lot easier. He's very friendly and easy to work with. Um, and he's, his natural ability is, is just incredible. He's uh, uh, really a horse that we need to just kind of keep fit and keep happy, uh, enjoying his job. And there's not really too much training involved. And uh, his natural ability in the ring has been the key to most of his success. Oh, well, thanks, Ben, for taking the time to uh, speak to us a couple of weeks ago about Explosion. We have loved watching him jump this week. Now, we have generally been previewing the next day's action after our break on these daily podcasts. Obviously, there is no action, no equestrian action at the Games tomorrow because it's all finished up. But we will be back with a special treat for you after the break, so don't go away. The Horse and Hand Podcast Daily Tokyo Special is supported by Toggy. Shop the Sport, Outdoor and British Equestrian Team GBR collection at toggy.com. Technical, tested, trusted Toggy. So we don't have any Olympic sport tomorrow to preview. The Olympics are over for another three years until we head off to Paris 2024. So to round off our daily podcast from here in Tokyo, we thought it would be fun to have a chat with our photographer, Peter Nixon. We've referenced him many times on the podcast over the past couple of weeks. So we thought it would be good to get him on for this final podcast and find out how this Games has been for him. Hi, Peter. How are you? How are you doing, Pippa? We're recording this actually in the middle of the day on Saturday we thought we didn't need to do a late night recording so we're looking forward to going out for our sushi lunch definitely it's going to be nice to have a bit of a break from sort of 17 days of intense pressure yeah it has been a strange one with the fact that we haven't been able to do much apart from go to the equestrian park and see the horses but it's been a good few weeks Peter tell us a little bit about your Olympic history how many Olympics have you been to so this is my third Olympics where I've covered in essence from opening ceremony to the closing ceremony that would be London, Rio, and now Tokyo. Before that, I did a, a, a one-day fly-in and fly-out in Athens. So that's 
doesn't really count as intestines as doing a whole Olympics, but it was a it was a twenty four hour jaunt. <laughs> and do you have favourite Olympic memories? Have they all been quite similar or quite different? I think they've all been very different. I mean, obviously London was very special just because it's your home country and the atmosphere with the crowds and everything was phenomenal. We didn't quite get that at Rio because we didn't really have the crowds, but it's still a massive buzz, especially when you're very privileged to be in a prime seat and watching Brits win golds. You can't beat it. Yeah, and I think Rio was my first Olympics. You and I were there together. And I think one of the things that was really special about Rio is we had a really great setup for sort of our team and our work. There was you, me and Alice Collins, our dresser editor at the time. We had that little apartment so we could all kind of sit around and work together and feed off each other. That's kind of one of my favourite memories of that Games. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a, we had a really good team spirit there and we sort of all worked together to try and help each other out. So, yeah, that was perfect. And of course, we've had a good team spirit here, but it's been a bit different because we haven't had that communal area. There's been a lot of all sitting in our own hotel rooms, WhatsApping each other. We have a WhatsApp group called the Three P's because we're Peter, Polly and Pippa. <laughs> Definitely. No, that's been invaluable. And I think, you know, with technology and things like WhatsApp, they're brilliant in terms of just giving that communications. So, Peter, tell us about what a typical day would be like for you at the venue. So, like the, today, we are going to be heading in to the team final later on. What will you do when you get there? How will things pan out for you? Right, OK, so when we get there, we will have, um, we'll probably get there maybe three hours before the competition starts. There will be a little photographer's briefing normally, just to let us know where we are allowed to go and where we're not allowed to go, especially on medal ceremony days. They're crucial in terms of what priorities, etc. And then up to two hours before the competition, we will be able to get onto the course and have a look at it. And then also look at where we want to put a remote, maybe remote camera. And how do you decide where you're going to stand and where you're going to put those remotes? Two different things. So with the remotes, we're looking at maybe something like an eye-catching fence or a fence that we can't necessarily get to where we're positioned um, around the outside of the arena. But really looking for something that's both attractive and tells the story. And in terms of being around the outside, you're looking at when you're trying to do the sort of main pictures rather than just the remotes, you're looking at something that has the brand, i.e. the Olympic rings or Tokyo 2020, to try and have that in the picture rather than it being another event. You're trying to make it iconic. Um, and then you're just trying to get pictures that or shapes that make the horse stand out. And of course, we're very demanding at Horse and Hound with all the web and magazine coverage we have. So we're also always looking for you to get two or three different shots of each horse. So that must be a consideration as well. So that, yeah, so that adds to the complication and probably not so much on show jumping, but um, like cross country day, it's much more demanding because we're potentially looking at maybe a cover shot. So it's an upright. And then obviously we also want um, landscapes for web stories. So and unlike in the show jumping where on a single round, you'll be able to do potentially all of that, you know, and you'll have multiple opportunities over the four days of the show jumping, whereas obviously Cross Country Day have one opportunity to get that rider both landscape and upright and potentially at multiple fences, which we achieved this year. And we achieved all the Brits we achieved and we got them going over at least three fences. So that's a big boom for boom for Peter on Cross Country Day. Boom and a massive amount of pressure, but all the whole 17 days are both tiring in terms of physically exhausting in terms of long hours little sleep but also um, quite testing in terms of the pressure that you're under you know we are very privileged to have access and get a media accreditation for the olympics a bit like the athletes i suppose 
if you're a sports journalist, whether a photographer or a written journalist, then actually to achieve and get your accreditation for the Olympics is a bit like an athlete. You know, you know that you are at the top of your game and you are competing with the best people out there in the world. Yeah, we were chatting about that last night, weren't we, Peter, that, you know, in lots of industries, you might say, well, what's the Olympics for your industry? And in our industry, as journalists following sport and photojournalists following sport, the Olympics is the Olympics, isn't it? Definitely. This is the top. I mean, anyone who's a sports, you know, journalist in any field would love to be able to come to an Olympics and say they've been to the Olympics. It is a massive privilege to be here. It is, definitely. And then after the class, Peter, once you've taken all your photos, what happens then for you once it finishes? So then we'll look at, um, if we're able to, we'll send during the competition, um, either from around the outside or in the breaks. Once we've done that, then it's just sending stuff to the web, etc. whatever yourself or Polly really wants in terms of an image requirement. So I think that I looked uh, this morning I've done 300 plus images for the web and then we've taken and we've captioned um, in excess of 10,000 images so far in the last 17 days. God, it's crazy. And I was thinking of doing a similar sum in terms of number of stories that I've written and that the whole horse and hound team have written over these three weeks. Um, As you say, as soon as you come in, there's normally a list from me or Polly on WhatsApp saying who's required for the web. And those are always the sort of quick priority. And then, as you say, it's getting everything for the magazine down to our picture editor, Bex Pattenden, into the off in the office. So whoever's choosing those magazine pictures has them all available. And Peter, how much can you actually follow the competition or are you just focused on getting the pictures and you're not really so aware of who's winning and what's happening? Most of the time, you, it's just about looking at the pictures and, and, and the images in front of your camera. Uh, you don't actually necessarily follow um, what the narrative of the story unfolding, unfolding in front of you, though you do get um, rolled up in the moment, especially um, classic example um, when Nick was doing that final round in Rio you, there, there was no way that you couldn't be involved in that moment. You know, it, the, the tension built and built and you were living every moment of that. Yeah, are you quite patriotic when the Brits go in? Is there a little extra friction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, not only in terms of I came to this sport because I love the sport, not necessarily, you know, and then photography followed. So, you know, the first passion is, is the sport. So, yes, you, you always get that. And then obviously there's always the added pressure, but you know, we're a British magazine and our focus is on the Brits, so therefore there's even more pressure piled upon you to get the image that you you want to try and achieve. Yeah, definitely. And any favourite memories from these games here in Tokyo? I mean, in terms of the stadium and the facilities are amazing. And I suppose memories, the fact that it's the biggest regret is that if that had been full, it would have been phenomenal. so it's not necessarily memory, but it's, you know, in terms of the facilities are both for the equine. Um, we were privileged enough to go to the behind the scenes to the vet clinic yesterday. And, you know, so both for horse rider and potentially for spectators would have been amazing. And so it's just a great shame that um, the world, you know, couldn't have seen it in the flesh as we have been really privileged. I mean, the atmosphere, even though there's been no spectators has been phenomenal in there. So if we could have had the spectators, 
it certainly probably would have lived up to potentially London. Yeah, it's interesting because I think you've sort of seen and felt that more than us because Polly and I have mostly been round the corner in the mix zone where you're not really seeing the stands anyway. The only stand we've got a view of is actually the rider stand. So it's had a fair number of riders and supporters in it each time. We haven't been sort of gazing at those empty stands. Our view has maybe been quite similar, if a bit quieter to what it would have been with spectators. So it's quite interesting to hear that from your point of view. Finally, Peter, Quick fun fact, you always bring a lot of very heavy bags with you. How many cameras do you have here? So we have four cameras here, seven lenses and lots of junk. (laughs) I'm sure it's not all junk. I'm sure it's all completely essential. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Peter. It's been great for, uh, I think, the listeners to uh, complete the uh, circle of our little uh, Tokyo trio. No problem at all, Pippa. It's a pleasure. So Polly, we are at the end of our Olympic experience. It's been a fantastic Games. It's been a fantastic Games for Britain. Five medals in total. Yep, it really, really has. They've won uh, two gold, one silver and two bronze medals. And how long ago do those dressage bronze medals seem now? It definitely does. When I think about it like that, it definitely does feel as though we have been out here for a long time, which it has been. It's three weeks. Um, but what a, what a whirlwind it's been. It's been... Uh, a sort of heady mix of uh, spitting in tubes and leaping up and down as medals are won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've just about summed it up, Polly, to be honest. <laughs> Listen, I think before we finish up, we can't go on too long. It is 20 past one in the morning. There's copy to write tomorrow and uh, flights to catch. <laughs> but before we finish, I think we should both name our highlights from each sport. Okay, well, we might as well kick off with dressage. Shall I go first? Do you want to go first? Go on, Polly. Your dressage is your baby. You go first. Uh, so for me, oh, I mean, there the, were the, the two big highlights. I think you might have possibly picked um, the other one. But for me, the, if I have to pick one, it has to be the moment I realised, we all realised that Charlotte Dujardin had won the individual bronze on Geo. Britain's team bronze was absolutely incredible. Uh, we were incredibly happy for them. That was just phenomenal um but charlotte's bronze was was more unexpected i feel and you know it was unexpected for her it was unexpected for everybody although we did know she would be there or thereabouts i certainly had her pegged for more a fourth or fifth position just given the horse's inexperience the moment we realized she had won the bronze i I mean we talked about this at the time i burst into tears that was the one sort of time I really really sobbed with emotion I was so emotional having obviously followed Charlotte and that horse very closely as my uh, as as dressage editor over the last few years yeah I've got a real soft spot for Geo for Pumpkin as he's known and uh, yeah that had to be my highlight it was just simply wonderful I did have to forcibly stop Polly from hugging me at that point in order to maintain <laughs> social distancing it has to be said I'm going to name my dressage highlight as being standing with Jessica Von Breda-Verndl when she realised she'd won the individual gold. I just don't think I'll ever have that experience again of, you know, being one of the closest people to somebody at that momentous uh, second in their life. It was just something that you feel privileged to share, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That was an amazing moment as well. Really up there for me. It was. Right, Polly, on to the eventing. Go on, you well, go first again. Eventing's your ba- your baby. Why don't you uh why don't you take the first eventing one? I'm gonna say cross country day, and obviously cross country day is not a moment. So I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed a three hour highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Tom McEwen crossing the finish line, clear inside the time for Britain. Obviously that was the culmination of three riders' efforts for Britain, Oliver Town and Tom McEwen and Laura Collett. 
I guess I started cross country day with a bit of a not a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach, but I had a lot of flashbacks to cross country day in Rio where Britain hadn't actually started off that well in the dressage, but on cross country day things just felt like they went from bad to worse. And having thought I was starting one of the most exciting days of my career, it didn't end up being a lovely day for me. Just to put that, I guess for me personally, to put that behind me, maybe I'm taking this a bit too much to heart. <laughs> I felt like I did put that behind me on cross country day. I felt like all our hopes of the team gold were really coming to fruition. Obviously the show jumping day was ahead of us. The show jumping day is never my favourite personally. It's always quite a crunchy day where you're never sometimes quite sure where you want to be in terms of mix zone or press conference or watching. Everyone comes through quickly. It's easy to miss people. There's always an awful lot of writing to do at the end of it. I ended up being up for 27 hours. The show jumping day is never my favourite. So, yep, cross country day, Tom McEwen crossing the line clear inside the time. My moment of the eventing. Yeah, that was a cool moment. Um, For me, for the eventing, oh... Do you know, it's got to be seeing Laura Collett up there on that podium. Obviously, seeing all three Brits up there was was fabulous. But I, I interviewed Laura last, it was in last autumn, I think. It was after she won at Poe. And, uh, and and in that interview, we talked a lot about her, uh, the accident that she had um, several years ago now, but it was absolutely horrific. It left her, you know, with catastrophic injuries. Um, she was in, she was in an induced coma and it left her blind in one eye as well. And I think we should never underestimate you know how difficult it has been for Laura mentally and physically to get back from that to come back and you know to come back at at a at a better you know in better form and in better shape than she was before it I think and to see her up there having worked so so hard she's such a determined rider she gives everything to the sport um to see her up there winning a gold medal was pretty special um I also really enjoyed the moment where uh, I think Oliver Townend thought the uh, the podium moment was over and he went to make a swift exit and Laura had to pull him back because there were still photos to be taken oh bless them yeah I think you know we don't talk a lot about that uh, that that injury that happened to Laura because in the sport it feels like something that's been and gone and we sort of accept that Laura's blind in one eye but we shouldn't underestimate mm. you know how, how that affects her and how she had to come back from it. Right, Polly, swiftly on to show jumping. It's past my bedtime. Show jumping. Okay, well, for me, it has to be um, the obvious one, I guess, when Ben won the gold. Um, if I was emotional and uh, tearful when Charlotte won her individual medal, I was absolutely so excited when Ben won. I leapt up into the air. I was pretty hysterical with excitement. I just couldn't believe he'd actually done it, um, that jump off. There was so much adrenaline. I think my heart rate was over 100 just watching it. And yeah, the moment, obviously, that he came home, clear and and the fastest time so far so guaranteeing himself a medal and then the moment when nobody could beat his time yeah that moment in the mix zone looking out at the arena I just felt so incredibly lucky to witness that in person yeah it was a it was a special one I was up in the stands watching it and I think as we said on the daily podcast at the time when Polly and I saw each other (laughs) afterwards and realized what had happened we just both made this sort of hysterical shrieking noise which is very professional <laughs> um moving swiftly onwards i would i would pick ben as well but um i'm going to say the swedish team mm. because they have been just super troopers this week um so consistent and dragged dragged sweden up you know sweden hadn't had a good games they missed out on the dressage medals their effort fell apart entirely on the eventing in the eventing week so uh, it was lovely to see them have a good week you know in our jobs we get to know the people in the mix zone as well and the Swedish journalists look pretty Mm. pretty downbeat all week so it was good to see them uh, finally getting a smile on their faces this week and to see three such great horsemen um, you know we've talked 
about Pedder a lot. Henrik von Eckermann's horse, yeah, horsemen and women. <laughs> Henrik von Eckermann's horse, I was just going to say, is the only horse which hasn't had a fence down the whole week here in Tokyo. Yeah. And Marlin Bayard Johnson, as Polly says, are the horsewoman on the Swedish team. <laughs> but uh, her mare is very tricky. Um, and she's really sort of said even now her rideability isn't great, but she's, uh, you know, she really tries for her. So brilliant to see that sort of horsemanship rewarded i don't think you have horsewomanship i think uh, marlin would be okay <laughs> i'll with, let you take horsemanship <laughs> i think yeah marlin would be okay as, uh, with that but listen i think it's time for polly and i to sign off and uh, say congratulations to all our medalists particularly obviously the brits we are allowed to be a little bit patriotic we are a, a british platform these days with podcasts and uh, websites and magazines Polly, thank you for being my partner in crime. Oh, Pepper, we've had such a good time. Thank you. It has been great. We're very lucky and we hope you've enjoyed the ride with us. Don't forget that we have a weekly podcast every week of the year. The one that's out now has an interview with Lottie Fry and a review of the eventing at the Games. Next week, we have Tom McEwen and a review of the show jumping. And we will have lots more coming up as we go through the autumn. So if you've enjoyed the daily podcasts, please stick with us for the weeklies and uh, of course have a look on our website buy our magazine out every thursday thank you for listening to the horse and ham podcast daily tokyo special supported by toggy (laughs) 